0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit MPBonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Okie okay, dokie folks, welcome back. Oh, was that my what's my back cracking just <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's a beautiful day for being out and about. It's going to be cool this weekend. Actually, going it might have frozen the other night, I'm not sure, up in north Mississippi. It may have. I don't, I don't think we're quite there yet. No, nope, no, nope, no, nope. but I'm in Jackson. I know folks down on the coast, you don't have to worry about anything right now, but on Jackson, if it gets down into the mid-30s, even the lower 30s, in Jackson, it's not going to actually freeze or frost because there's so much heat gain. You know, nice sunny days, the soil warms up, it radiates a lot of heat. So usually, unless it's going to actually get down into the, t- into the 20s, I'm not worried about it at all. Just cluster your plants up close to the house and start thinking about knocking out, the, you know, clean, cleaning the leaves out of your potting soil and digging around a little bit. Don't bring in lizards. I brought up two lizards in this past week in my house. From bringing in plants? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, luckily, they don't bother me. You know, they're the ones that turn green or brown yeah. in, in uh, animals. Some of
2: them will be clear.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the uh, geckos that come out at night. Okay, But the ones that, that change colors, uh, there, a lot of people call them chameleons, but they're they're anoles. And uh, when they're on my blinds, they're brown, but when they're on my plants, they're green. So yeah. whatever, I take them out, I dip them in some water, make them get a nice drink, because usually by the time I see them, they're all shriveled up, and you can see their ribs and their thing. I just want to get out of here.
2: <laughs> but well, Crystal uh, brought in some of her plants uh, in the inside, so our front room looks like jungle jungleish. A, yeah, yeah,
1: that's okay. That's all right. And uh, what what I, a lot of people bring plants in and uh, they just put them here and there. I recommend cluster them together. You know, put some big plants up close to the window and put smaller plants in bet- under them and, you know, it's sort of cluster them together because uh, one of the things that that gets the plants the most when you bring them in, they drop their leaves. Java, it's not because of the uh, the uh, the of just the lower light. It's a lot of lower light, you know. We just don't, you know, what comes through the window, that ain't squat to a plant. It, yes, you know, I they, know. they need solar radiation. Uh, but also, it's the, the the steady temperatures. But the worst thing is when we turn our heater air conditioning on, it sucks the humidity out of the air. And that's how plants sweat, you know. And if they sweat too fast, they they dry out. So uh, usually on big plants like weeping figs or Schefflera or uh, bougainvilleas and things like that, I tell people, just cut them back. Cut them back. They're not going to hurt them. They'll sprout back out. No big deal. But if you don't cut them back, they're going to drop leaves for the next month, and you're going to have to constantly be raking. So just cut them back. They'll fit in better, and it stimulates new growth. And when it comes out, it will be adapted for the indoor conditions. See, so I cut mine to bring them in, and then because it's long and leggy and skinny when I, and over the wintertime, I cut them to put them back out. Not a big deal. But uh, the lizards, if you don't like lizards, check them before you bring them in. Anyway, we're going to be talking about gardening today. If there's anything on your mind, it's a live program. It's a call-in program. It's toll-free, no matter where you are. And um, we're just going to be talking about whatever's on your gardening mind. You know, I got a—I'm uh, just trying to bring something. Where is this thing? I, I got the coolest— uh, Well, I'm going to have to find a little bit. You know, this Mississippi Gardening Facebook thing, uh, people going on and on about weeds and what to do. And I got a really good response from somebody about poison ivy. I'll find it in a little bit. Uh, but anyway, if you want to give us a call right now, uh, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Jeff, I got some books here. What's up with these? Practical Guide to Natural. Here's one called Proven Remedies, A Treatment of Common Ailments. Homeopathic herbal and biochemical methods uh from the nineteen forties
2: yeah, if I'm not mistaken i think uh one of our uh listeners uh kathleen uh was cleaning out her her bookshelf and 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 uh, i guess brought you brought you a nice little present <laughs> yeah well
1: these are for, you know for a nice little they smell good. You know, you can't get this smell on the Internet.
2: Yeah, now that is true now. It's something about holding the physical book.
1: <laughs> yeah, proven remedies. You know, my favorite proven remedy is uh, when in trouble, when in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. <laughs> <laughs> that, that wor- so many of the problems, Java, that we see in the garden, there's a lot of real problems, you know, deer eating everything up, a blight killing your tomatoes, pecans not filling out. But a lot of stuff that bother people are from people looking at plants too close. You know, they got spots on their leaves. Uh, yeah, so do I. So do you. So do all of it. It's not that big a deal. So a whole lot of plant problems are really not... You know, if you look at trees out in the woods, they got the same problems. It's not not that big a deal. But anyway, if you've got any kind of questions, concerns about stuff, I'm not going to belittle them at all. I'm not going to make you feel bad for noticing things that are alarming in the garden. Give me a call. But if there's something that you need to do that that I would do in my garden, I'll sure recommend it. If it's something that you can live with, i gently suggest you consider that approach. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. By the way, happy daylight saving time,
2: I guess. Yeah, we're. Hold uh, well, on, wait. We are finished with daylight savings. <laughs> okay, I miss daylight saving. So now we're just on regular daylight.
1: <laughs> you know, and, and I know it's not that big a deal, you know, but you know, bio, whatever rhythms. Yeah. It really throws me off because just when I'm ready to go take a walk, I walk outside and it's dark. Yeah, uh, it's
2: pitch, like almost pitch black at 5 p.m. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, they're going to have a little parade in my, in my little community in Jackson called Fonder. A little fond, they're going to walk around all three blocks.
2: Yeah. You know, the, <laughs> the parade is longer than the parade route. Yeah. It's <laughs> but, a good, it's, I will say it's a good show when you uh, bring the family out there, though. Yeah, but it, and it's going
1: to be interesting, but it starts at 6, and last week that was just right. This yeah. week
2: it's dark. But I think that's a, it's like a light, like you're supposed to have lights uh, on your person or, you know, on your float. I don't know. Well, you know,
1: sounds awfully pagan to me, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, it's not that I don't do it. I've got lights on, on my bottle trees, and, and, uh, and uh, you know, it's just I have little battery-powered things I put on my truck every now and then. Yeah. You know, the little garden thing. But You should you know, ride your truck in the float. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I've been invited to, but, you know, it's just yeah. You know, my my truck in the dark with bottles on it. <laughs> light them up, man. Light them up. Yeah, if I could get some sparklers and, and shoot off, that, that'd that be kind of interesting. But anyway, it is a season to, to start celebrating the end of a long season. The beginning of the dark is going to get light. You know, another month and a half, it's going to start getting light again believe it or not, you know, so we're free-falling towards it, and this weekend's cold's got a lot of people concerned, and if you've got some questions about what you should do with plants, give us a call. Uh, let's start out this morning uh, with a fellow who's owned the road. Curtis, you there with us?
0: Yeah, I'm here. Hey, what's
2: hey, up? I, I, I have, well, this season here, I had crabgrass. I haven't had crabgrass before, but for whatever reason, I have a lot of crabgrass in my yard, and yeah. I'm just, I just need some guidance or maybe some suggestions on how to get rid of it. And, and if you will, I'll hang up and listen well, to you on oh, the radio. Oh, oh,
1: I got a couple of questions to ask first. What kind okay. of regular grass do you have?
2: I have Bermuda grass.
1: Okay, well, you're in luck then because crabgrass, what will kill crabgrass can also kill St. Augustine or centipede grass. But there are some, some things you can use. First of all, crabgrass grows over the summertime. So it can, as soon as we get a freeze, it's gone till next year. It's
0: gone. Yeah, 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 it's dying out now.
1: Yeah, Now, there are some, uh, <clears throat> we don't recommend fertilizing grass until it's been motor time or two in the spring, so we're talking about April. But uh, in the wintertime, in like February or so, you can put out a granular, Pre-emerge. It's a gra- don't go with weed and feed. Wait till me- till April to fertilize your grass. But you can put a granular pre-emerge herbicide out there, and it kills the crabgrass seeds as they sprout in March and early April. So you can do that ahead of time. Or in the summertime, there are sprays that that kill that say for crabgrass control. Liquid sprays work in the summertime that are that are safe for Bermuda grass. But you know, if you mow kind of close and wait till April to fertilize. Um, you know, the the Bermuda grass will get a lot thicker. So right off the bat, if you're not mowing fairly close, it's the only grass where I recommend cut it kind of low. But uh, a thick grass could be your best bet. Otherwise, uh, crabgrass can be like mosquitoes. No matter how many you kill, they're just going to keep coming right back. But pre-emerge granule <laughs> in the spring, uh, in, the, in the wintertime, fertilize in the spring, and if you need to, to do an occasional light spray. The other thing is... Uh, If it's possible, you know, if you live in a place where you can get away with this, um, actually just just mow what grows. It works. It's okay. It's all right to not have a perfect monocrop lawn out. Unless you're a soccer player, you don't have to have a perfect pitch.
0: Okay. Okay. Hey, uh, just one thing. This phrase you you're talking about doing the summer. Could yeah. you recommend something?
1: Nope. Oh, nope. Me? Uh First of all, I, I, I try not to recommend brands because okay. you know, it's just it's like ketchups. You know, there's a lot of different kind of ketchup, a tomato sauce. But um, I, I can't keep I can't keep you know they change it brands change. But it'll say on the label for control of crabgrass in and it'll say in Bermuda grass someplace.
0: Oh, and, right. there's Thank a
1: there's a bunch of brands of it out there. Okay, thank you so much. All righty, good luck on it.
2: All right, good up to you. Bye bye. Thank you.
1: And by the way, uh, speaking of that, I, I brought a, This doesn't look like much, Java. It looks like just a little flat piece. It looks like something an elephant stepped on. But there's a plant growing out there right now that grows all summer, and it blooms in the late summer and fall and dies in wintertime. It's got little little uh, you know uh, sorry you know I know you're a tiger guy but this is this is uh, all corn colors it is it is pur- purple, and pur- pur- purple and gold purple and gold lsu and all corn but this is a native aster that grows about knee high or so, a little bit taller. Really wiry. Matter of fact, sometimes call it a, a, a wire flower. But a little leggy looking, not much to look at. But when it grows in the grass, when you mow it, it gets flat and thick, and it grows below your grass and has all these wonderful little lavender and yellow daisies that that butterflies and honeybees are on right now. So this is one of those plants where I tell people if you want to have a mow it grows lawn, this is an example of something that you, you can see when I pull up by the root, it's lower than the grass. And it spreads and it's pretty and it doesn't hurt anything. So there are some plants you can put in the lawn that's, that, that mow well that add texture and variety and pollinator stuff. If you want to have a what I call a flower lawn, it's perfectly okay unless you live in a place with an HOA and then you can have to just mow it a little bit more often. That's all. But anyway, um, let's slide down to Mobile, see what's up with John. Good morning, sir.
2: Good morning, Felder. How are you? I've got a Satsuma question for you. Okay. Uh, as I understand, uh, we pick them when they have come into color being, to my thinking, a kind of a light orangey color.
1: And, and when they feel right, because they can turn light before they're fully ripe. Right. Uh, what
2: I'm, I, I've picked. Uh, two or three off of my tree already, just to see what they taste like. Uh-huh. And I, I may be
0: uh, imagining things, but um, two of them that I picked when I picked them, uh, the peel stayed on the stem.
2: Not, yeah. And the not, other one, it, the other one, it didn't, and, I, and the one that the stem stayed without any peel on it seemed to be sweeter than the other two.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Am I imagining things?
1: Nope. No, a lot of people pick okay. stuff when they, it gets the right color, just like tomatoes. People will pick a tomato when it's red, and it tastes fine. But if you leave it on the vine two more days, it get it accumulates more sugars. You know, once you once you right. pluck a fruit, it doesn't get any no more. It doesn't get any sweeter because that comes from 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 sap. So the longer you leave them on there, the sweeter they're going to get, and, and the easier okay. to, easier to peel too.
2: All righty, all I needed to no. know. Thank you, sir. Uh,
1: all righty, appreciate it. I found this quote, by the way. This is from uh, somebody on the Mississippi Gardening thing. It was a, it, it was a uh, the original thing was uh, from a fellow. Let me see if I can find his original, uh, here we go. He said there was some folks up in, named Coleman up in DeSoto County, bought three acres of overgrown thicket from my aunt when I was a boy. It's full of poison ivy, pine, and privet. They bulldozed, cleared, leveled, then they put in flower beds, paths, and a fountain. There were roses and arbors and flowers. It was lovely. Um and but the preacher came by and the preacher said, Miss Coleman, God sure gave you a beautiful garden. Miss Coleman said, Hmm, you should have seen the mess it was before I took it over myself. <laughs> because gardening is about adapting things changing things not well a little controlling but you know modifying and and, you know tending things like keeping the house you know if the kids don't pick up their room it's going to be a mess so that's when mom and dad has got to come in anyway people are going on and on about all these weeds and stuff this is what this lady wrote. Everybody picks on poison ivy. I have an old. Awesome, I tell you what. Let me save this till we come back because it is too good. I'm a horticulturist fell to Rushing, and uh, we're reading from a comment on on uh, Mississippi Gardening on Facebook. You listen to the Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's the the uh, Think Radio of the Deep South, and we're going to take a quick break and come back. Me and Java and Kevin, and if you got some questions you want to call about, toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. We'll be right back in a flash.
3: Hi, Larry Morrissey with the Arts Commission, reminding you to tune in for the Arts Hour.
2: We have in-depth conversations with Mississippi artists, writers, musicians, and other creatives. The Mississippi Arts Hour, every Sunday at 5 on MPB Radio, or download it as a podcast. All righty. <laughs> Welcome back,
1: folks. Horticulture's Felder Rushing. You know, I'm just saying, we need to have a segment called Felder Fesses Up about something stupid that happened to me during the past week. Like last week, it was a spider bite that turned out to be a corn chip a in my bed. A corn
2: chip in the bed. <laughs> well, this
1: time around, I'm making little natural ornaments, you know, uh, uh, holiday ornaments, but I have a hot glue gun, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I, I glue some stuff, and I touched it to see if it was still getting hard, but it was still hot. So immediately I put it, you know, to my... To, 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 Just why? I, I put it in my mouth because it was hot, but it glued itself to that little bump on the tip of my upper lip and pulled it off.
2: Felder, Felder, Felder. Yeah,
1: that's all right. Anyway, I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I was uh, sharing this thing from the Mississippi Garden. This woman said, Patricia Ramirez, she said, everybody picks on poison ivy. I have an old cypress tree with an ivy vine winding up to the top. For many years, I fought it, thinking how bad it was. For the last 20 years, I just gave up and let it do its thing. In the fall, when the cypress loses its leaves, the ivy turns red and lovely. I see birds all winter landing up there to eat those berries, and all summer just lays low, minding its own business, having it spread out just up the tree. And I agree. Poison ivy's got among the among the most gorgeous fall colors and it's a native plant. And the berries support a lot of wildlife. But anyway, I'm really allergic to it. I'm not I'm not advocating people plant poison ivy, don't get me wrong. But uh there is a garden uh a nursery, oh, seven or eight years ago I saw that actually sells a variegated poison ivy. Poison ivy with different color leaves and blotches of whites so on the
2: leaves. But is it still poisonous? Oh yeah. Oh okay. <laughs> But they they sell it as an ornamental. You know, there's a lot of people do weird stuff, you know. And I'm
1: thinking, you know, if you like fall colors and and poison ivy is on the back of your property and how it drips out of the trees, it looks like flames licking up the trees. Anyway, I'm just saying. Um, Let's slide up to Memphis and see what Mike's up to. Good morning, sir. Hey, Mike. Hello. Hey, what's up, man?
0: Hey, uh, um, well, I can't wait to uh, hear what you got to say about fall plantings that we can eat. So I have a simple question that your science will answer, and a kid was asking me, what makes the leaves change color in the fall?
1: That's that's a good question, and actually, they don't change color. They've got those colors all along. But what happens is they they got these things called anthocyanins and uh, cyto—I can't remember the the cyano name. I had to learn all those things. I passed the test, but I immediately— deleted those files to make room for for other stuff. The reds and the greens and the yellows and oranges and browns are already there, but the green, the chlorophyll that's green is the dominant one, and when plants come out all green that covers up those colors, and in the fall, as the days get shorter plants start sealing off their leaves to to drop them, they just just seal them off, and the stuff that flows into the leaves that makes chlorophyll dries up, and the chlorophyll the green stuff gradually gets used up by the leaf, and it reveals those other colors that are underneath all along so oh, so it's okay. the, the the green stuff is uh, is a dominant color and when the leaf starts to seal it, seal itself off it stops making chlorophyll and it gets used up by you know the photosynthesis or whatever it just disappears and those other things are right there
0: well is is does it have to do with the sun or is it the plant that stops making the chlorophyll
1: Oh, well, it's not just the sun. It, 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 the days get shorter. You know, plants, you know, plants tell time by the amount of infrared light they get. You know, that's what makes poinsettias bloom in the, and when the days start getting shorter, it kicks poinsettias into blooming. Uh, when the days get longer, it kicks, uh, 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 Easter lilies into blooming uh, when the days get shorter. Trees start dropping the leaves. I was in uh, South America one time, right on the equator, and they had sweet gum trees that had brand new leaves because on the equator the, the, the days are nice and nights the same. They had brand new leaves and fall colors and falling leaves all at the same time because
0: the plant is confused.
1: But it's a it's a it's an infrared light uh, day length thing.
0: Well, I think I can explain it then. Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa! How are these kids? Are these kids old enough to Google it. Show them how to Google stuff without getting in trouble.
0: Right. I'd rather talk to uh, real people.
1: Thank you. They're
0: eight, nine years old.
1: As soon as those words came out of my mouth, I immediately started pulling her back and said, "No, this is what granddad. <laughs> this is what grandpa does." Uh, yeah, no. I, I, this,
0: this is what Felder says. Okay, what Felder
1: said. No, no, no. This is what Grandpa says. You're the expert <laughs> now. Anyway, you're you're correct. I
0: appreciate it. Oh, hey, right. do, do
1: one other thing. Take uh, the, take the kids out on a walk around, and and even though you know they they're starting to get old enough where they're not going to do stuff like this, go make them do a, a leaf. See if they can come up with a rainbow uh, of of colors. Uh, all the different colors leaves. Take yeah, them on. Take, dip, on yeah, take them on a field trip. Yeah. I'll do it. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks,
2: Mike. All right. Thanks. I almost messed up on that one, John. I went against my own advice. I honestly were looking at you and thinking, like, did he just say what he just said? Yeah. Well, I I took it back, but but I got called out in the the process. (laughs) Yeah, Mike Mike was on point.
1: Okay. I can't tell which which thing is blinking the most. Uh, We got a, a
2: full bank of calls, but let's go to Carol and Laurel. And Laurel, down in Jones County. What's up, Carol?
3: I've got a little cherry tomato plant, Mm -hmm. and I got it in the south window, and it's putting on the little buds. and I remember hearing you say something about in the springtime that you can pollinate stuff, uh, and I want you to tell me how to do it.
1: Okay, well... it's it's a lot easier with tomatoes. With with squash, they have separate male and female flowers, and the male's got to be ta- the the pollen's got to be taken from the male flower over the female flower, either by bees or by you using that male thing as a like a paintbrush. But tomatoes and peppers and things like that are self-pollinating. All they have to have is something that jars the pollen loose. So if you'll go by, uh, is this growing on like a stick or a stem or you got? Stri- it's
3: a It's a. Little cherry tomato
1: plant. Okay. Well, you need to, you know, thump the pot really, really hard, or lightly thump the 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 stems without breaking the stems. What you want to do is 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 vigorously vibrate the flower. Just sort of shake them. Just thump them below the flower, and that'll shake the pollen loose inside and pollinate it that way.
3: Well, I gotta wait till they bloom. They just putting all the little buds
1: right now. I hope they do well. You know, but it's in the south window, right? Got plenty of sunshine. South window, plenty sunshine. Okay, one thing, if you could, you know, take a candle or a match or something and hold it near the plants when your heater comes on, and if it if the the heater blows the 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 flame around, then you want to put a piece of cardboard or a bookcase or something to to keep the heater from blowing directly on the tomato because that dries them out. You know they like to be outside in the humidity, but uh, not much you can do about it. Misting doesn't help, but uh, do something to make sure there's not a, a direct draft blowing on them.
3: Oh, it ain't no heat in the room. <laughs> ain't no heat in there.
1: Okay, well go in there, thump them a, a little bit. It sounds kind of kinky, but it works.
3: All right, thank you, Founder. <laughs> okay.
1: Bye. I gotta always go there for some reason. Let's get dirty in the garden. Well, okay, that's what you gotta do. What you gotta do. Now is, it Mo- is uh, Angie Nixon Mobile? Yes, sir. Good morning, Angie. How are you?
0: Good morning, Southern Java. Um, thank you for having me on your show. I really love it. Thanks. My question today is about uh, perennial food. I was wondering, what are some of your uh, top perennial vegetables that I can grow and not have to replant?
1: Ooh, that's a, that's, a good, that's a really good question. Most of the time we think of vegetables as being annuals, you know, uh, the tender plants, you know. Uh, there are some, you know, fruit something that's perennial that makes fruit year after year after year is going to be what we call just a, a fruit plant, like a blueberry or fig or something like that. But most of the perennials, I'll give you an example. Peppers are perennial. You can keep a pepper for 10 years in a pot as long as you can keep it from freezing. And see so that's that's a trick but we, we set them out in the spring they produce all summer and fall and then a freeze kills them see so they're perennial but you know most of the most of the things that come back from seed year after year after year is what we call the vegetables uh sweet potatoes are perennials but no. it's, it's not practical to keep them indoors and outdoors they freeze in the winter time see so you know when we think of perennial stuff we're thinking about things that come back year after year after year uh, some plants reseed themselves, like tomatoes will reseed themselves and come back. But as far as something produces all year, you're going to have to talk about some kind of woody plant, a uh, 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 kumquat and a uh, citrus in a pot or a blueberry or something like that. It's a good question, though. Uh, i give you another example. Kale. Okay, I'm taking it back. I grow kale in my garden, and it, it has a hard time over the summertime. It grows over the winter. But I just pick some kale this this morning for my for my little bouquet here, from a plant that was set out a year ago. So kale will do okay. Does that help?
0: Uh, yes, sir. Well, uh, thank you. I've just been kind of um, trying to investigate, it and I saw that asparagus and some. A couple other things will kind of do that. Maybe it's actually you know,
1: reseeding. No, no, no. And, now, now, now that we're talking through it, asparagus comes back from the crowns every year. It's a perennial edible plant. You know, I'm just, you know, it's first thing in the morning, and already I've, I've learned something I already knew from you. But asparagus is uh, one that comes back every year. You're right. and And garlic.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much. Uh, oh, oh this, no. Your yeah. show. Y'all have a good morning.
1: Oh, you got my wheels turning, lady. You got my wheels turning. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Have a good
1: day. <laughs> Bye, guys. And I said, well, there's not any. She said, what about asparagus? <laughs> Oops.
0: <laughs>
2: it's just, like you said, it is nine, 9 in the morning. You have to talk through your things sometimes. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, let's slide over to Neshoba County, talk with, and I appreciate that. They, I, I love to learn and have to think. But th- let's go over to Neshoba County and see what Bill's up to. Good morning, sir.
2: Hey,
3: good morning. I How? hope you're having a great day.
1: Well, i have been stumped a couple of times, but I like that.
3: Well, uh, this is uh, kind of a weird one. Uh, my uh, garden doesn't have a fence around it, mm-hmm. which which means all of the local dogs and the wildlife come through the garden at night yeah and every once in a while they leave a little calling card yep and uh i'm just wondering uh they seem to really like to do that within two or three feet of a a fruit tree Mm -hmm. uh should i be careful about that and pick it up and take it away not,
1: not in the least not in the least the only time we have to worry about contamination from from uh from animal droppings or human droppings uh-huh. you know in in a lot of parts of the world uh, uh, they use human manure they call it night soil as a fertilizer yeah you know, the yeah. only only problem is in direct contact from untreated waste to to plants where you eat those those parts like lettuce or uh, but 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 those kind of uh, what about strawberries? Well, it's splashing on the fruit, you know. But if you got your strawberries lifted up off the off the ground with some mulch on it's not that big a deal. It's a splat. It's a physical splashing thing, you know. On from you know. But if you if you wash your stuff, it's you not? It's not that big a problem. is what I'm saying. Unless there's direct contact.
3: Okay.
1: Uh, it's not so abs- I, it's not absorbed into plants through roots and stuff like that at all.
3: Okay. So if I put hay between my strawberries and my fruit trees.
1: You don't have to worry uh, about the fruit good. trees at all. Don't have to worry about the fruit trees at all. you know it ain't, okay. ain't go splash that far, but on strawberries, strawberries can produce better if you can get them up off the ground anyway. So what most people do uh-huh. is is in the winter time they lift the strawberry plants up and tuck bark or straw up under them and then lay the plants back down on top of that but you know if if the if the dogs are pooping in your strawberry patch, well, you need to get a fence
3: <laughs> okay uh. I'll, uh, but is, is, I don't think, think I'm going to come up with ten thousand dollars anytime, real soon.
1: No, I, you know, all it takes is uh, is a little chicken wire around around just just the you know the the parts where you grow in the strawberries and stuff. But you know, this is where people, time immemorial, have had fences around their gardens. You know, Elmer Fudd and and uh, Bugs Bunny them always had to deal with fences. You know, fences are little fences are. are have always been used around food plot gardens, if not the whole garden, mm-hmm. at least the food plot. And that's, 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 no, that's what people have always done because it has lots of benefits. But anyway, think of splashing. As long as the stuff is not splashing directly on the stuff you're going to eat without washing it, I wouldn't worry at all. It's actually fertilizer.
3: Okay. Hey, thank you.
1: All right. Appreciate your call. <clears throat> we have We've gone around the world on this program, Java.
2: It's been a good one this morning. And when I looked up perennial vegetables, first thing popped up. Asparagus. Asparagus. (laughs) not not just because it's the most obvious, but it starts with an A. There you go. There
1: you go. I'm going to have to do some. You got some others we can talk about? Yeah, I'll pull them up. Okay. All righty. Well, living and learning, folks. You know, I've got degrees on top of degrees and written a bunch of books and blah, 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 blah. But I love getting stumped about gardening when we're talking about real gardening with real gardeners. So uh, I'm not one of those experts who got to know it all. I, I delight. And being reminded of stuff, especially stuff that I, that I forgot or just didn't make sense to me. Anyway, here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting, we're going to take a quick break. I got an up tune because it's such a nice day, nice weekend out there. I thought it'd be great to play this tune. We'll be right back. Folks, welcome back. Horticulturist, fell Russian, me, and Java, and Kevin, and that uh, was, was a good question earlier. The lady from Mobile wanted to know what are some perennial vegetables, and I think, well, there's not any. <laughs> yeah, Angie from Mobile. She always she she, she calls good, good, often they're and has some great questions. Good yes. questions. Well, you know, you you Google it. You know, and immediately, of course, you know, I mentioned peppers. You keep a pepper going for years. I have one pepper that can make it through a mild freeze. But asparagus, kale, which I mentioned, le- rhubarb, uh, gonna be hard to grow rhubarb in Mobile. And be honest, if you live in Mobile, you're probably not a rhubarb eater anyway. You know, that's one of those cold, people they eat it because it because it's there because it's there yeah they have it <laughs> <laughs> yeah not because it's good um Jerusalem artichoke which is is a, a sunflower it blooms in the fall they make incredible roots you know and perfectly edible uh multiplying onions uh i thought strawberries they're considered a fruit but really they're more like a vegetable because uh, you have to replant them every now and then but uh but they're perennials so anyway really good question living and learning and um Anyway, let's go back to the calls. Um, we're going to go to Neshoba County. Hey, Bill, how are you,
2: sir? Hello? No, we just talked to Bill in we Neshoba did. County. I'm Oops. sorry, because he, remember he wanted the fence around his strawberries. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, we it, can... it, it,
1: it was just a different color, so that's what I went with.
2: But this is a different Bill in uh, Sandersville. Sandersville. Good morning, Bill. Howdy. All right. Good morning. How are
1: you? So far, so good. I love being stumped on a Friday morning.
2: Okay. Well, this is probably an easy one. Um, would like to add some landscaping plants over the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
2: um, large plants, like ten a gallon or larger, even maybe burlap and bagged or uh, containerized
1: right. trees. Right. Is
2: this a good t- Good time of the year to
1: do that? It's, it's probably the best time. If you could dig a good hole first, the dirt might be a little hard, and if you, you know, whatever kind of hole you dig is going to determine how well that plant's going to get established. And if it doesn't get established quickly, it's not going to survive in the long I worked at a ball and burlap field grown nursery before I went to college, and I cannot tell you how many big, beautiful plants we dug and planted, and it didn't make it because the people didn't want us to dig a good hole. So if you got the, the dirt well prepared, you you know, fall is the best time for planting stuff. The, the roots continue to grow, and the plants get settled. The soil sells around the roots over the wintertime, and they hit the ground running in the spring.
2: Okay, very good. Should I uh, augment the soil with some... Um um, packaged uh beet moth or something
1: like that? Very little if any. You know, the when I was when I studied horticulture, you know, we said amend the soil. Now they're saying don't because the plants gotta kind of get used to the dirt they're in. But here's a way around that. Either dig an extra wide hole at least twice as as, as wide as the as the root ball, at least and sort of rough up the sides. Or an uh, interesting technique is dig a square hole that's got corners. So when roots get, you know, instead of going around and around, they go out. But dig a wide hole and loosen up the edges so that roots grow straight out as quickly as possible. Um, and here's here's a real big thing, though, Bill. And this one I've noticed over the years, over the decades, if you don't loosen up the roots, container-grown plants are grown in bark mostly bark that's used to water draining out quickly and if you just pull that in a pot and stick it in the ground in two years that bark is decomposed and you've got nothing but just a little web of roots supporting it so it's real important to loosen up the outer roots as much of the potting soil as practical and work that in the dirt, dirt around it and then when you get done pile a little dirt on top of the root ball so that over the winter time it can be melted by the rain and work its way down and fill in the gaps where the bark used to be. It's really really important that they get used to the kind of dirt they're in. So I always loosen up the roots. Whatever potting soil comes off of it, that's enough to work in the immediate hole. And then I always put a a few dirt clods on top to to sort of fill in around the gaps.
0: Very good. Very good. Thanks for the answer.
1: All right. And by the way, you're not going to find that last little tip in the book. That's just something I finally figured out. If pulling up a lot of plants, been in the ground four or five years, you pull them up, and they get the same pot-shaped root system, and there ain't no dirt on it at all.
2: Okay. But it makes sense. Okay. Very good. Great job. Thank you.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, let's go to Pascagoula. Hey, Brenda. Good morning.
3: Hey, Felder. Howdy. I just have a quick question. I have a set symmetry that is just full, and I've been told that the fruit doesn't get ripe until after the
1: first freeze. It's so no, it's 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 coincidental. You know they you know a lot of citrus doesn't they don't harvest stuff you know citrus in Florida till in late fall or winter. See, so you know, it just takes a certain amount of time, and it's just sort of like persimmons. They say persimmons aren't good till after frost. Well, they are, but until a frost, they probably hadn't had time to get all those tannins out. So anyway, the, the it's, it's a matter of time, not frost.
3: I have a friend that's been eating
1: them, and I was scared he would get an upset stomach,
3: because... Oh, no, no, well, you
1: know, if they, they get an upset stomach, that's that's because they're eating stuff that ain't ripe yet. Yeah,
3: well, these are, are yellow, orange, they look beautiful, so I, I guess they're okay.
1: Yep, yeah, just, you know, squeeze them, you know, if they feel soft... Taste one of them and they start getting sweet. In other words, you know, it goes by time, not whether or not we get us up. I mean, they don't have frost in Florida where these things grow, right? right. And in Southern California, they just wait till the right time to pick. You leave them on the plant as long as you can. The longer you leave them, the sweeter they'll get.
3: Okay, great. Thank you so
1: much. Okay, appreciate it. Okay. Bye. All right. By the way, I went to the farmers' market last week. You know, when I uh, down in Jackson, yeah, far, saying, okay, yeah, yeah. a lot of farmers' markets around the state shut down this time of year because the farmers you know, run out of stuff. But they have this thing going all the time down at the fairgrounds, and uh, there's a fellow down there who who grows plants from his own yard and sells a few to so he can buy more pots and more potting soil. He supports his habit. And a lot of old heirloom plants that so you're not know, gonna find it at regular garden centers. You know, garden centers got the latest and greatest, but it's really cool to go to a place and I sat down and I talked with them, how do you grow it? You know, how do you propagate this? What's the name of that? And it's really, really fun just sitting back and talking to people who actually grow the garlic, you know, that they're selling, or grow the plants they're selling, or the or the, the, the heirloom tomatoes and the uh the the, the, the vegetables. It's just incredible. And to talk to people who made the honey they're selling. You know that's really really nice. I, I appreciate that. But anyway, while I was there, this this uh, this this woman and this teenage young teenage girl came up and said, "I just want to meet you." Her teenage daughter listens to this radio program and heard me say, "Take your kid to the farmer's market." And there was, and, you know, she, and she was. Yeah, <laughs> she just wanted to see my truck, see if it really does have stuff growing in it, and it really does. So anyway. Before we go to this next call, I want to mention that that the plants I brought in today, this is a handful of stuff, all different kinds of colors and shapes and textures and all. Everything in this big handful of this bouquet of stuff is perfectly edible. I've got kale. I've got three different kinds of lettuces. I've got sweet potato leaves. They're perfectly edible. Um, I've got, let's see, uh, carrots. Big old pansies and these purple Johnny Jump Up violas, all these things grow in cool weather, and you can start them in pots. You get a small, shallow pot. doesn't have to have much much dirt, maybe three or four inches deep. And you can mix two or three different kinds of lettuces together and just put a pinch of those uh, in this, and you have something that's immediately pretty. It grows. It takes cold weather. If it's going to get down to 20 degrees, drag it in. Put it back out because when it gets cold like we had this weekend, they get sweeter. So there's colorful, attractive, beautiful, easy-to-grow plants that will take the cold weather, and when you're tired of looking at them, you can eat them. All kind of leafy greens. Uh, anyway, just, I'm, I'm going to put a flower, a picture of this for our podcast. You always yes. do that, right?
2: Yeah, we do that all the time. Often. Yeah, but
1: anyway, it's just a real easy thing to do to have colorful pots of lettuces and leafy greens and kales in the wintertime when there's nothing else out there, and it's something kids can do. So, anyway, let's slide back to Jackson. See what Rhonda's. Uh, is it Rhonda or Rhoda? Rhoda. Rhoda. Good morning, Rhoda. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you? So
1: far, so good.
0: All right. You two are two of my favorite radio voices. <laughs> so, well, the, thank, thank
2: you, Rhoda. Uh-huh.
0: Got two questions. Um, so, I, I grew some some tomatoes. Named Creole, Creole's in their name.
1: Good old-fashioned one, great old heirloom tomato.
0: Right, and they don't—they don't get totally red. They get a real deep red on the bottom, and then a green on top. Mm-hmm. But they have a tremendous flavor—a burst
1: of flavor, uh, real tomato flavor.
0: So anyway, they didn't—they did some for me in the summer, but now the vines are all broken down, and it's terrible. But when you pull them up, when you lift them up, here are all these green tomatoes that I've been harvesting. Yeah. Um, you can actually see it. It's right around the corner from your house. If you get it curious, it's in that. Um, you know, we have a community garden on Council Circle. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it's full of tomatoes. All right. So I was I was waiting for them to get red, and that. But by the time I did, they would be. They would have bugs. And critters had taken bites out of them. Right. Then I read up, and um, it's and I read something that said if you go in and wait till they get just a little slight pink, when they start to turn, you can go ahead and pick them and bring them in um, and let them ripen in the house. And I've had a lot of success with that. Uh, I made a great tomato pie this week. Oh my goodness, it was so good. Yeah, things are just but they they have to sit on my counter for about ten days.
1: Yeah. Well, now, if, first of all, creoles do turn red. They do turn red. That particular garden does not get broiling hot sun. Out. It's got that shade, that that tree on the the west end of it, so they don't oh, get as much. But they do turn red if you leave them on long enough. Uh, the other thing is when they're sprawling on the ground, that's the reason we stake tomatoes. We don't stake them just to make them easier to pick. We stake them to get them up off the ground away from splashing dirt and roly-polies and stuff like that. So, you know, if nothing else, just lift them up and put some pine straw or something, just get them up off the ground. Uh, but the thing about picking tomatoes while they're at that pink stage, that's what they do in commercial stores. The reason store-bought tomatoes don't taste good, they're picked when they're just showing some color, and they do turn redder. And they do get softer, but they don't get more ripe. As soon as you pull them off the plant, that's as ripe, that's as sweet, that's the most flavor they'll ever get. They just have a slow, red, softening decay process. So they they don't get riper. They just turn red and get softer. So the longer you can leave them on the plant, the more sugar is going to be pumped into them, the more flavor they're going to have.
0: Okay. Well, I have to decide if I want all that sugar or if I want to let the...
1: Yeah, well, just, you know, just lift them up. And, you know, now that, by the way, you know, I walk by there all the time. I usually walk by at night, but I know where some Creole tomatoes are now. <laughs> anyway, li- leave them on the vine as long as you can. It's th- this cold we going to get in Jackson uh, Saturday night, it's not going to affect that particular garden because it's surrounded by so much warm, radiating heat from, from the street.
0: But I did stake them. They just overgrew the steak. Yeah. They're, they're, they're up over the top.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, they're vines. They're vines.
0: So did I just – all right, so here's my second question. Did I just get lucky that they're doing so well this fall? No. Or no. Is, is to, that, no.
1: So t- t- tomatoes are native of the Andes. They're used, they do better in cool weather. Uh, they'll freeze in the wintertime, but they don't like hot well, – a lot of tomato plants, when it hits 95, their flowers fall off and the little fruits will fall off. They like cool weather, not hot weather. Uh, so anyway, those those tomatoes planted in July and the first of August will actually outproduce those in the fall that outproduce the ones planted in the spring that suffered through the summertime. So next next year, th- instead of planting like a farmer, what tomato growers do is they plant new tomato plants every month or month and a half, so they have new plants coming along all the time. They don't have to deal with tying them up and and uh, the bugs and blights and stuff. So you know, think about planting tomatoes twice. Once in the spring, once in midsummer, and I bet you'll see the one planned in the summer actually outproduce those in the spring.
0: Okay, I'll try that. Thank you so much. All right,
1: appreciate it.
2: Okay, Rhoda, Creole tomatoes. Um, well, did you? Well, let's back up a little bit because yeah. did you just rag on the tomatoes in the store? And yes, I did. Why they, this, this is why they do not taste good at all.
1: Yeah, because they grow them in, in fields and they pick them when they're firm enough. If you wait till they're ripe enough to eat, they 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 fall to pieces. They, oh, they probably won't be
2: able to ship them. That's and all right. That they kind they of get things. all bruised and stuff. Okay.
1: That's the reason ones that the uh, the the homegrown the heirloom tomatoes you see they're all boogered up and all because they were picked by people, you know, when they were ripe, not when they're just starting to decay. And the longer you can hold it on the vine, the sweeter it gets. The sweeter it gets. Yeah, so this is pumping stuff in there. And uh, so,
2: anyway, it's just one of those little oddball things. You know, some stuff about horticulture I wish I didn't know. So, uh, a cooking tip if you want the, some great tomato uh, taste, go to the farmer's market.
1: Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly.
2: Because, you know, a lot,
1: and again, there's, there's no, you know, the ones, greenhouse tomatoes grown in the wintertime, they're picked when they start, when they're when they, at, at a pink stage. I, I learned that in food processing. I, I, I was taught in college. I wasn't taught about gardening. Horticulture doesn't teach gardening. It teaches crop production. Yeah, You know, you want to get the most, you want to make sure that what you pick is actually gets sold at the end of the line. <laughs> you know, so they pick them when they show just a little pick. Same thing with bananas, you know. Bananas that are green when you buy them, yeah, they'll turn yellow. But they don't ever get sweeter. The ones that are a little bit kind of funky looking, you know, they tend to have a little bit more sweetness
2: to yeah, them. Yeah, you got to get the, the ones that uh, they sell in singles, yeah. and they're almost they're almost kind of black. <laughs> yeah, a matter
1: of fact, you know, I, and I've, I've been criticized for this when I go to the store. I, you know, I pick fruits and vegetables that have blemishes, partly because I feel sorry for them. You know, <laughs> if, if, I, if I don't eat them, who's going to get that old banana? Well, I'll get it, and I'll eat it when I'm walking home. You yeah. know, rather than just let it get thrown out or something. So I feel sorry for the, not so much for the grower, because the grower already got his money, you know. <laughs> but uh, the grocer who buys stuff that goes off, you know, they put it, and I, I checked the the, the, the the bent can rack.
2: Oh, yeah, you got to do that.
1: Yeah, as long as it's not bulging, I'm going to get it for 59 cents.
2: It's <laughs> a good deal. <laughs> Turn it into some soup. <laughs> Anyway,
1: we've got a little time. If, if anybody wants to try to squeeze in another call, give us a call. It's toll free one eight seven seven mpb ring uh, And I was talking about uh, native plants, you know, the two native plants I talked about today. One is this little, they just call it yard aster or lawn aster. That's what it's called. And uh, it's got a Latin name, uh, but that's not important. But I don't know, Java. Let me see if you can see the see. It's got the, the,
2: the purple flowers. I see the purple flowers. I'm trying to see. Well, see the thing that's got a little fuzzy looking thing. Oh yeah, this is, is white. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the seeds.
1: And I see I can oh. take those and you know just like dandelions, which are in the same family. I can take those and sprinkle around people's lawns on my walk home today. But see, I guess <laughs> why would you not kind of want this in your well, in beca- your yard? Because we've been taught. That a a, a monocrop lawn is the way to go. Since, yeah. since advertising first started, they're saying if you don't, if you got we, weeds are the enemy, you know. And who pays for that ads? The people sell weed killers, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's there is more right to have a flower lawn There's nothing wrong with a perfect lawn. Don't get me wrong. You want to have a golf course? I'm a turf specialist. I can help you. But you want to do what's right. Mow around some of these things. Let the bees have something to do. Hey, let's slide up to start, but we got time to talk with James. Good morning. Thank you for calling, man. What's up?
0: Good morning, Java. Good morning, Felder. Thank you for taking my call.
1: Heck yeah.
2: I got a quick question. I cut down two big pine trees near my house, and these little bitty, look like little lily pads popped up and spread it out through my lawn. And in the spring, I did a little weed and feed. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, it killed it, and it came back even stronger and better. Yeah. What, what can
0: I do to get rid of them and let the grass grow in? Do I need to seed it after
1: uh, I kill them? Uh, No, not really. Uh, first of all, weed and feed is a, I'm going to say it, it's a bad combination. It's like sugar and toothpaste. They're both good, but they don't make a good combination. So treat your weeds separate from your fertilizer. That helps a whole lot more. Second of all, it's a broadleaf weed. You know what kind of grass you've got?
2: When I bought the house, I know they laid turf down, but I don't know what it it is. Well, the
1: reason I'm saying because what would kill weeds in one kind of grass can kill other kind of grasses. So we need to find out what kind of grass you've got and then use what they call a broadleaf herbicide because that's what we call a broadleaf plant. That was safe to use on that kind of grass. And let's wait till April to fertilize. And let's wait until May or June before you treat the weeds. Let the grass green up, sort of catch its second wind. And then let's use a a light. Either that or just raise your mower and forget about them. They ain't hurting anything, James. Come on.
0: (laughs) They're not. They're they're not hurting anything. I know. I I know. I know. I know. But to me, I, I. I'm just waiting for the frogs to come out. And that's how that's how bad it's
1: gotten. <laughs> I understand. Well, here's hoping you don't have stuff that grows over the wintertime. Anyway, lawn care is not – it is a science, and you have to do it all or nothing's going to work for long. So I'm just saying.
0: G- I appreciate
1: that. Gird <laughs> g- 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 for battle or just have a cold drink and forget about it. Appreciate it, man. We're going to take a break, folks. It's called a week. We're going to be back next week talking about gardening and lawns and getting the horticulture stumped and stuff you can eat and native plants and pollinators and potted plants and whatever you want to talk about. That's what we do here on MPB. It's called Think Radio. Appreciate the opportunity to share with you all and to learn from you all. And Meanwhile, when we get off the air, I'm going to think about getting ready to go down the farmer's market and see if I can meet some folks who are like-minded, who like to talk with people who grow what they eat.